<laughs> going to be speaking today. So I just want to thank Josh for allowing me to have this opportunity to speak. Uh, he actually asked me to speak, uh, I would say it was about two, three months ago, and we had talked about it, and then, because uh, I hadn't spoken in a while, and um, he asked me to speak two or three months ago, and I said, yeah, absolutely, I would, I would love to give the message. And uh, of course, I said this knowing, full knowing well, that I'd be going away for two weeks in Kenya. So I was going to prepare a sermon before I left, because I know as, you know as you're preparing for going to Kenya, things get busy, life gets hard, and uh, I was like, you know, you know what, I'm going to hold off on that, because I know that when we go away for two weeks in Kenya, something cool is going to happen there, and I'm going to want to talk about it. And sure enough, something did happen there that kind of spurred where I'm going with the message this morning, and I'm really glad that I did wait, because then I would have had to prepare two sermons, and that, would have been, that just would have been a mess. So I prepared one sermon today, and I'm not going to talk about Kenya. That was last week. We had the Kenya talk back. That's what we did. That was really awesome. It was a great time. If you were here for it, we do appreciate it. It was awesome to be able to share everything that went on. But today, we're going to be talking about something different. And as you know, when we were in Kenya, we did a lot of work there. We did a lot of different things. Uh, we had a cement crew that did a lot of great things with the cement. We had people working with the kids, and they were very talented. We had another group of people that were building a house. And what was really awesome was you were able to see a bunch of different people, 31 people to be exact. Actually, it was 31 plus people to be exact, coming together and using the skills that God gave them to complete this amazing task. And Sean Howitt, who was our intern over the summer, he was also on the trip with us. And I remember as we were sitting down there each night for devotions, he kept saying one key thing that stuck in my head. And he kept saying, oh, it's so awesome to see how the body of Christ is at work through 31 people here on this trip, seeing the body of Christ work and work properly and well here with the 31 people. And it was awesome to see him. You know, we got back from the trip, and as we came back, I was saying, you know, I think that God's telling me I should talk about the body of Christ. And so that's where we are today. So this morning's message is going to be about the body of Christ and how the body of Christ is to properly function within a church, as well as addressing some of the issues that keep the body of Christ from functioning. So as you all know, um, before we started Hope Community Church, I went to a different church. I also, um, while I was going to that church uh, for the first probably 15 or 16 years of my life, I went there knowing why we went to church, but kind of just going to go, you know, I guess you could almost say I was going through the motions. I was going to church, I was showing up, we were doing our thing, and it, it, was, a, it was a great time. It was a great time for 15 years. But towards after that, towards going through, I guess, the latter half of high school and into college, I kind of was getting a little frustrated, not just with that church, but with other churches in general. And I was kind of saying, hey, you know, it's, you know, when, when can this church do, you know, I began asking a question, when can this church do for me what I need them to do for me? When can this church address the needs that I need? And as I was looking around for different churches, there was a point where I was going to leave that church and actually attend other churches. And I was looking at other churches, and I was saying, oh, man, when is that church? Like, I can't really go over here to this church because that church can't address the needs that I need. And this church over here, this one's too small. I want to go to a bigger church. But this one over here is too big. I don't want to go there. And I began asking myself the question, what can this church do for me? And what I was doing was I was forming kind of a very self-centered attitude towards churches. And as I was preparing this lesson, as I was preparing the sermon, I actually kind of came across what different pastors were saying, and they were addressing these same questions that congregations fall into when they ask themselves, what can this church do for me? And it's very, very dangerous when we see this. It's very dangerous. Because when congregations begin to ask that question of what can this church do for me, 
and the leaders in the church ask the question, what can this church do for us? We begin separating what the true body of Christ is supposed to be in the church. And that's a very dangerous thing. As one pastor put it, he said, churches that have this type of attitude, the church begins, or church exists primarily as an organization separated from the proper function in relation to the body of Christ. So, you know, here we are today, and I said, you know, as I was reading this, I was seeing these problems. I said, okay, well, we need to talk about this. This is an important issue. This is something serious. So this morning, as we talk about the body of Christ, I'm going to be doing so using three main points. So if you're taking notes today, you can write these three points down. The three points are unity. So the first one is unity. The second one is diversity. And the third one is harmony. So we have unity, diversity, and harmony. And we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to be covering verses 12 through 27. And if you're following along this morning, I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, just to kind of make it easier. So if you can follow along, that would be awesome. So I'm going to just start off and I'm going to read the first passage of Scripture right here. So we're going to start with verse 12. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So let me just read that again. Just as a body, so we have one body, though one, has many parts, so many parts make up this body, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So when you're taking a look and you think of a body, okay, so this is going to kind of sound like a little uh, science lesson here. So when you look at a body, if I could tell you, if you could look across the room and form a human body, or better yet, if you, if you ask someone, draw a stick man, serious, draw a stick man, they're going to draw in six parts. They're going to draw a head, they're going to draw a torso, they're going to draw two arms and two legs. So six parts, you're going to have two legs, two arms, a torso, and a human body, Okay. And those, that human body that's picked up from those six parts, if you could just look across the room and make a shape of a human body, that's what it's going to make up. Now, obviously, we know there's more parts in a human body that make it up. There's skin, there's bones underneath, there's internal organs, there's blood, etc. There's all different parts of the human body that make it up and allow it to function properly. But in this case, we're just going to look at it from a distance. We're just going to look at it from the physical form, six main parts. Now, I know there's some athletes in this room. I know there's soccer players in this room mainly. So as a soccer player, when you're told, you know, hey, what are you going to do? The different parts of the body are used for different functions. For if you're a soccer player, you're going to be told, run up and down the field. You're going to run up and down, and you're going to score goals. If you're a basketball player, you're going to run up and down the court, and you're going to shoot the basketball into the net. If you don't play sports and you're in trades, you're going to be using different parts of that body in that trade. For example, I'm a carpenter. I use my hands all the time. Whatever it is you do in life, you are using different parts of your body to complete daily tasks. That's a normal thing that human beings do. But let's sit there and think about that for a minute. Let's say what, what happens with an athlete if they hurt their leg. So the soccer player is running up and down the field and he hurts his leg. He's no longer able to continue doing that task. You know, they may not be able to continue running up and down the field, or they can but they're not able to play at the same function that they once were able to do. Well, let's look at the basketball player. Maybe he's running up and down the court and he hurts his wrist. He breaks his wrist. He can still run, but he can't necessarily shoot the ball. Or maybe in a trade, you injure yourself and you can't continue to work. The point is, is your body is not able to function at the way it once was able to function. It's hurt. Let's just say for the sake of saying it, Kelby, 
So Kelby here is walking down the street, and he pulls a Mr. Potato Head. His arms fall off, his legs fall off, his body falls off, his head falls off. I know, it's, 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 it might be a little weird. I'm being serious, though. Pulls a Mr. Potato Head, falls apart. You can't put those pieces back together and then say, go do something. You can't do it. Because if I'm just piled there, essentially I'm dead. I'm non-existent anymore. My head has been cut off from my body, and therefore I am dead. I know, I'm seeing some weird looks out there. <laughs> just stay with me here. In the same way that that can happen, I can physically die. The body of Christ within a church can also be severed. You see, out of those six main parts, you have arms, you have legs, you have a torso, but the most important part of all that is the head. It's through the head that instruction comes down to the rest of the body and tells the body, hey, if you're a soccer player, go run down the field and score the goal. If you're a basketball player, go run down the court and shoot the basket. If you're in a trade, go do these things. Whatever it is you do during the day, it is your head that derives those thoughts and tells your body what to do. But when your body is injured, those thoughts are meaningless. And worst of all, when your body is severed and your head is cut off, there is no instruction. And when the body of Christ is severed within a church, there is no more instruction. And when there is no instruction, there is no Christ. And when there is no Christ, churches begin to derive what they want the church to be like. And the thoughts, instead of coming from Christ, begin thinking in the flesh. And when churches think in the flesh, they're spiritually dead. And this is a huge, huge issue in talking about churches and talking about the body of Christ. So now we have the body of Christ. When we're talking about unity, you might be saying, okay, so the body of Christ is severed, causing death, or causing, I guess you could say, spiritual death. So what makes up, what, how do we become united in Christ when we're talking about the body of Christ? So we're going to go back to the scripture. That's where it is. We're going to read verses 13 and 15, or 13 and 14. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And when he says Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, he's talking about everyone. And we were, all, we were all given that one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. So let me just read that one more time. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one pot, body. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Everyone was given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So we see this. Salvation is the key to why we were all united in the body of Christ. When you're looking at the body of Christ, if you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you're given the Holy Spirit, and it's that Holy Spirit that is salvation. Salvation is literally the key to keeping the body of Christ together. It's unity. It's literally the glue that holds us together. And within a church, we are made up of a bunch of body of different believers. A body of believers. I shouldn't say different believers because they're not different believers. We are together. We are different people that are believers in Christ. And that forms the body of Christ because it is salvation that holds us together. And that is what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about salvation holding us together. And that's what's the most important thing. And, and you also need to remember this because I kind of kept forgetting this when I was studying it. That's one spirit, by the way. That's one spirit. 
So the person over here, you know, they're, they're over here. That's the same spirit when if they accept Christ as their personal Savior, that's the same spirit that they have that the person over here that accepted Christ as their personal Savior. There's no super Christians. Sometimes we get lost in the idea that we see, a, you know, a, a person over here that's, oh, man, they're really godly. They're very spiritual. They must have two Holy Spirits, you know? <laughs> No one has more than one Holy Spirit who's accepted Christ as their personal Savior. There's no super-Christian. When we're talking about the body of Christ, there's no hierarchy. There's no super-Christian. Paul emphasizes very, he emphasizes it several times, one Spirit. It's one Spirit that unites us together to form the body of Christ. So when we're looking at the body of Christ, we have unity. So what is the unity? It is salvation. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Unity is salvation that holds the believers together. So now we have the second point. We have diversity. So what is diversity? Well, I can tell you diversity in this case is not culturally, it's not ethnic groups. I do believe that is very important. Okay, that's one of the cool things about Kenya is when we go to Kenya every year, we're literally 8,000 miles away forming the body of Christ with, with people that are of different cultural backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, and together we form the body of Christ and we are worshiping the same God. And guess what? That's one spirit. The same spirit that, have the, that indwells in those people is the same Holy Spirit that indwells in us. And that is one awesome thing about thinking about the body of Christ. But today we're not talking about diversity in that case. And I make this very clear because when, as I was studying this, apparently this is a big mix-up in, in churches. But in this case, we're talking about spiritual gifts. The body of Christ has to be made up of different people with different spiritual gifts. It's very important. Let's go over what spiritual gifts are. Spiritual gifts are not special talents. They're not special or innate abilities. This person over here knows how to make friends better than this person over here. No, that's not a spiritual gift, okay? All right? Sometimes people get skill sets mixed up. I like to consider myself, I do believe that I am a decent carpenter. I'm pretty good. I like to believe that. I'm pretty good, you know, at what I do. That's a great skill set that I have. That is not a spiritual gift. Okay, that is a gift and a skill set that God has given me, but that, not, that is not a spiritual gift. Okay, there are other people out there that believe like, oh yeah, you know, I got this over here. I'm really, really good at this. I'm really great at, at organizing and stuff like that. And some of that, I guess you could say, is tied to your spiritual gift, but that is not directly a spiritual gift. So thinking about this, I said, you know, I should probably read from Romans. And there are different parts in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts, but I'm going to just read a section just so we clarify what they are. Okay, so we're not lost. So Romans chapter 12, verse 6. You don't have to turn this. You can just listen. It's, it's pretty quick. So we have different gifts. These are the spiritual gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And like I said before, there are different parts in the Bible. There are different books in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. I just picked that one because it just gave a brief overview of what some spiritual gifts are. But those are what spiritual gifts are. Everyone who accepts Christ as their personal Savior receives a spiritual gift or gifts. But what is the purpose of that in talking about diversity? The purpose of those spiritual gifts are they are supposed to be used to complement each other. That's what the purpose is. So when we come together as a body of believers, we're coming together 
and using our spiritual gifts to complement and help each other. I can do for you what you were never able to do for yourself. And you can do for me what I am never able to do for myself. You see how that works? It balances each other out. And when we allow God to use these spiritual gifts in a church setting, God, allow God to allow us to use them, and we listen to God and we use our spiritual gifts, it works in perfect balance. Because that's what it's intended for. That's what God intended the body of Christ to work for. And it works in beautiful, beautiful balance. But this goes back to the problem. And this probably, if you could uh, write down one of the main problem today, this is, this is where one of the main problems is. Going back to the question, remember my story that I said? I said when I was going around, I was looking at different churches, and I was kept asking myself the question, what can this church do for me? What, I can't go to this church because this church doesn't have what I want. And it started forming a very self-centered view. Well, this is the problem. What can this church do for me with that question? That question shouldn't be, what can this church do for me? It should be, what can I do for this church? Because if we're called by God to use our spiritual gifts to complement each other, we're not getting something from the church. We're using our gifts within the church to build each other up as the body of believers. See where that's going? The body of believers, the body of Christ. If the body of Christ is united together with the body of believers... It is through the body of believers that we are to put, supposed to use our spiritual gifts to complement each other and build each other up. This is one of the reasons why Christians are called to fellowship together, pray together, worship together. If you look at the early book of, if you look at the book of Acts in the early church, that's like the perfect example of what Christians are supposed to do within a church setting, or not even just a church setting. Wherever it is, body of believers meet together. That's why we have Tuesday night small group. We're meeting together. We're praying. We're talking about and discussing about what we learned on Sunday. We're coming together, and we're using our spiritual gifts to help each other. If someone over here is struggling with something in their lives, someone over here who might be good at counseling or who's really good at praying, or you know something that someone's good at can go over and help them do that, and they can help someone else with the gift that God has given them, with the spiritual gift that God has given them. Do you see how that works? Do you guys understand that? It's a balance. So we have the unity of the body of Christ formed together by believers. We have the different gifts, the different spiritual gifts that when used properly is a perfect balance. But none of those things are exact. They don't work exactly as they're supposed to if you don't have the third point. And the third point's harmony. Harmony is where... They, harmony is where it's at. I'm just going to leave it at that. Harmony is where it's at. The definition of harmony, you guys know what it is. It means basically to work smoothly. One of the things that Sean Howitt said um, when we were in Kenya, he kept using the term, it's nice to see us work together like a well-oiled machine. I think actually a few people said that. A well-oiled machine. Let me tell you something. When the body of Christ is working like a well-oiled machine, it is awesome. And it's great to see. And it's great to witness too. It is awesome. So when we're talking about harmony, it needs to, or when we're talking about the body of Christ, it needs to have harmony. But harmony also has issues because this is one of the problems in the church that has the most problems. And we're going to read one of the problems, and that's the idea of insignificance. Let me tell you something about insignificance. Have you guys ever been a part of something where you're just kind of sitting there and you're saying, man, I'll tell you, if I left today, no one would even notice me. Or you know what? 
as I wrote it down here, while I'm such a small part, no one ever notices me, and I'm not really that important. See, that's the problem within churches. There's a lot of people that feel that way. They're feeling insignificant in the church. I'm such a small part. I'm not the face of the crowd. I'm not up here every Sunday, you know, that type of attitude. But within the church, you know, there might be the person that comes in and and they sweep the floor. And that's not a knock against anyone who sweeps the floors here at 845 in the morning. You guys are awesome. And we congratulate you guys. That is awesome. But there are people in churches that that type of stuff happens and they, they feel very insignificant. No one ever sees me. No one ever notices me. But let me tell you something about insignificance. Where there's insignificance, it breeds jealousy. Where there's insignificance about spiritual gifts, it breeds jealousy. I'm going to tell you a little something about that in my own personal life. Um, As you guys all know, I went to Kenya twice. And um, as I was preparing this sermon, um, I did feel convicted when I was going over this part of the harmony. Because last year when I went to Kenya, the idea of jealousy did creep up. Not necessarily the idea of insignificance over there, but when you're, what better way to um, have jealousy form when you take 31 people and you cram them, 31 Bible-believing, hardcore believers in a plane, you send them 8,000 miles away and you spend two weeks with them and you're sitting there and you're, you're listening to all these great things and you're seeing God work through these great people. And sometimes you could just let jealousy creep in a little bit and you say, man, I wish I was just like them. Or, man, I wish that I had that gift that that person had, that spiritual gift. And, man, I, why can't I say something and everybody in the crowd goes, oh, you know? Because let me tell you something, that happened. Call it pride, call it jealousy, call it insignificance, call it whatever you want. It's a sin. And in churches where insignificance breeds jealousy, it's the devil coming in and he's prying his way in. He's saying, yeah, you know, it's a shame. You're a great person, and God gave you that stupid spiritual gift. You should have been like him over here. And that's what the devil does. He crawls in, and he says those things. And he gets in your head, and you begin thinking that way. But let's read the rest of 1 Corinthians, and let's see what Paul says about it. Because Paul touches on insignificance and jealousy. Starting with verse 15. We're just going to read it throughout. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. You see, Paul 
wonderfully like he always does, writes scripture, and we look at it and we just are kind of in awe of how he is able to write that. But he is so right. You see, each one of us who has accepted Christ as their personal Savior, we receive a spiritual gift. But you receive that spiritual gift because God has placed that spiritual gift in you. You are right for that gift because he handpicked you. If you were ready for, if you were supposed to have another one, he would know best and he would give you another gift. He would give you that spiritual gift. If, you know, you're looking across the room and you see someone else with that, they're given that spiritual gift because they're specifically designed and created by God to have that gift. You see, when you're talking about the body of Christ, just like Paul wrote, you can't have a body of Christ, or any body for that matter, with three arms and one leg. You can't have a body of Christ with six eyes and no head, or six eyes and no arms. You know, you can't have the body of Christ functioning in a way that's not normal. So when you're talking about the body of Christ, you have the unity. So the believers make up the body of Christ because we're united together in salvation. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we're given different spiritual gifts. And we're supposed to use those gifts to complement each other. But none of that works if it's not harmonized. If we're not equally balanced by allowing God to use us and putting jealousy aside and putting insignificance aside and just allowing God to use us with the gift that he has ordained and given us. Because that's how the body of Christ functions. That's how it's supposed to function. And I really truly do believe that, you know, here at Hope Community Church, we try to strive for that. And no church is perfect. No, no church, no matter where you go in the world, is ever going to be perfect. No place is ever going to be perfect. Because in, real, in reality, you have to remember the body of Christ is also made up with sinners. We are believers. But we are also still sinners. So when we're looking at this, we just have to remember, the body of Christ has to function normally. It has to. Because when the body of Christ is severed, we're hurting. It's just, like, it's just like human beings. When we're injured, we will never function the way we were supposed to function. But the body of Christ has to function, and it has to do so if, by us, by us using what God has given to us. So that's what I have for you this morning. So I'm just going to close us out in prayer. And just as I pray, just kind of just, you know, think about it. You know, really think about it in your lives, in our lives together, even I myself. Let's pray. Dear gracious Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for just, just being able to come here today and worship. Um, you know, Josh is right. You know, we're, we're, summer is over. Summer is pretty much so done, and Lord, we're just ready for another season uh, another season of sermons, another season of great things to come, Lord. Lord, we just pray that you please just be with us, Lord. In relation to the body of Christ, allow us to never forget what you truly did for us. Lord, just, we just pray, Lord, that we can just function the way that you have called us to function. And just help us, Lord. If there is struggle, if there is problems, Lord, just help us. Give us the strength that we need to continue, Lord. And we just pray this all in your holy and precious name. Amen.